Hi friends, welcome back to the Habits and Home Show, the go-to place to simplify your home and create systems to support life-changing habits. Have you ever heard of the term Swedish death cleaning? Does that stir up any emotions or feelings for you? Does it make you feel uncomfortable to talk about anything that has to do with death? Let me just tell you that it's not something that you have to be afraid of. On today's episode, I'm talking with Emily McDermott from the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast, and we're sharing our experience with going through the process of doing a Swedish death cleanse. Join us in this conversation, and I hope it blesses you. Hi, and welcome to the Habits and Home Show. I'm your host, Lisa Lazat, and I help busy moms bring order to their homes by downsizing and decluttering and ditching old habits in exchange for systems that bring peace and more enjoyment to their lives. We have too much stuff, not enough space or time, and lack the motivation to get our life together. We need simplified solutions to tame the chaos around us and be available, both mind and body, to experience all the joy that life has to offer. Are you ready, friend? Let's get started. Hi, Emily, and welcome to the Habits and Home Show. I'm so glad for you to be here, a fellow organizer and podcaster. So I have a couple of rapid fire questions that I would like to ask you before we dive into the nitty gritty of today's topic. So the first one is, what is one habit you are currently working on? Oh, yes. And I am a habits geek. So this is exciting. I would say that recently I have shifted one of my habits because I recognized that I wasn't getting joy out of it anymore and it was becoming real drudgery. So I have been following a, an exercise routine for almost three years, doing it five or six days a week. It's on YouTube. It's a strength training program. And I was staying consistent. I was doing it before the kids woke up. Like I felt really good about it. And lately it just has become real drudgery. And I realized that there are certain things I love to do like dancing that I wasn't ever doing at any other time in my day. So actually this morning when I woke up, I came downstairs, I put on one of my dancing playlists and I had so much fun and it was just rediscovering that joy and movement and recognizing I can still be consistent still be moving my body, but it's okay. And it's actually great when habits can bring you joy and not just be focused on that discipline and consistency. So that's what I'm working oh, on right now. Love everything that you said. And I love that your current habit that you're working on, it involves movement because a new habit that I have started just two weeks ago is, you know, I love my Apple watch. It is so good with tracking all the things. And I like simple. And I, I have a friend who's lost a lot of weight from just walking and I love walking and I stopped doing it, but I was like, okay, what can I do to walk more? So I am trying every day to get 10,000 steps and I love it so much. And I've rediscovered my love for walking and being outside. And it, I love the challenge too. So I love that you said our habits you know, when they become drudgery, we really don't want to do them. And so finding, rediscovering the joy in them. Okay. Number two rapid fire question is what is a habit that you've been able to establish lately that has brought you more peace of mind in your home? 
Oh, peace of mind in my home. Oh, I like this one. I would say that it is this very simple thing that I consistently do that makes me happy right before I go to sleep, which is that I am cleaning my kitchen counters and just spraying them down the counter in the main kitchen uh, table. And the reason is that we definitely, my husband and I have worked into sort of our after dinner evening routine that everything is clear, no dishes in the sink, usually dishwasher started, but there's something about maybe it's the hashtag boy mom. I don't know, but I get a (laughs) lot of like sticky counters and sticky tables and that drives me nuts, especially when I come down in the morning and things are like sticky. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's like you're going into a movie theater, you know, and you're sitting down and it's all like sticky. So I make sure every night, just that quick two minutes of the spray and then the wipe down. And then I feel like I can leave the kitchen and I'm at peace and my kitchen is reset and I am good for the night. So that would be my favorite, I think. Well, honey, you fall right in, you know, with the the niche and the culture of this podcast, because I preach resets and daily resets every time. (laughs) So that was perfect. And yes, it feels so much better to come wake up to a fresh start every single day. Okay. Number three question is what is one habit that is most annoying to you right now? Ooh, annoying. It would probably be my difficulty that I have with planning meals for myself as far as like lunch is concerned. So I am the type of person that will buy the thing of spinach at the store and I'm like, this is the week I am eating the spinach before it goes bad. And every day for lunch, I'm like, I don't really want a salad. I don't really want a salad. And then of course, you know, a week later, the spinach is all gross and you're throwing away yet another thing. So I think that for me, it is kind of that lack of planning, which is causing me to not be really eating as healthy as I would like for lunch. So that is one area I would really like to tweak, especially as, as I come to the summer and into the fall I'm going to be at home um, a little bit more as my youngest starts kindergarten. And I feel like there's a great opportunity for me to be able to plan that better, which is going to help not only my sanity, but also my health. So that's an area that has been annoying me for a while that I want to work on. Yeah. I love that so much. And I used to be that person that would buy the spinach bag and it would go, (laughs) go bad. (laughs) All right. Last rapid fire question. What is your favorite spot in your home and why? Ooh, favorite spot in my home. It might actually be here in the basement, which is kind of funny because it's a multi-purpose room. It is my workout space. It is my office. It's where the kids' toys are. It's where we have the TV. But when we were changing out couches, I really wanted to have a chase on the end of our pull-out sofa. And sometimes on like Friday nights, my husband will go, hey, what do you want to do? And I'm like, ah, it's chick flick night. And I, you know, pick my random Netflix chick flick of choice and I sit down on the chase and I just kind of relax. And that's kind of like a weekly ritual. So that was something that I kind of consider it my spot, especially on a Friday night. And it just brings me a lot of joy to be able to relax in that way in my home. I love that so much. My favorite spot well, I have two mainly favorite spots. Um, One is our dining room because the windows, we just have. old, um, single pane windows 
all throughout the the dining room and it's a it's a room that stays clean the most <laughs> and it's just pretty but then my second favorite is also my office because it's my space and any mess that's in here is my mess and it's usually not messy <laughs> and I just feel at peace here and just serene and so yes all right so let's dive in to our topic for today which is all about well first of all before we dive into that I want you to tell me about yourself and how you got to where you are with a podcast helping other moms overcome overwhelm Definitely. So I guess that my story starts when my husband and I were struggling with infertility. So this was back in 2014 and I was working full time. I was the chronic people pleaser saying yes to all of the volunteer obligations and everything else. And we wanted a baby so bad. I really felt like God had um, designed me to be a mom and I wasn't understanding why it wasn't happening. And I realized that if we were going to make the physical and emotional space in order to conceive a child that I needed to remove what was no longer serving me. And I learned about decluttering and minimalism and simplicity actually through a habits course that was being offered by Leo Babauta. He's over at Zen Habits. And I just was like, whoa, this, the light bulb went off started decluttering my physical space, then started kind of decluttering those to-dos and some of the mental clutter um, as I was going through in vitro fertilization. It's a rigid protocol. There was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of, you know, is this really going to happen? And luckily we conceived my oldest uh, via in vitro fertilization. Then I ended up having unexpectedly two under two. My youngest is what we call our free baby. So God just said, okay, well, you can handle one. Now, here you go. <laughs> Here's one you don't have to go through medical intervention for. And that was really a blessing. Yeah. But then I was suffering from postpartum anxiety and just kind of having more decision fatigue. That was like, stop asking me what's for dinner. I can't even remember, you know, if I showered in the last week. And so that was really where I started looking more at the habits, routines, and uh, the decisions that I was making to see how I could simplify and streamline those. So started blogging, then just moved pretty recently about uh, seven months ago to the podcasting space and just really love helping women and moms, especially that are overwhelmed by their space, overwhelmed by mental clutter, overwhelmed by all of these things to help them move towards a place where they are less so, and they're able to actually uh, enjoy their lives and preserve those important resources of time, energy, focus, and attention. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are very much kindred spirits on that. So today we're covering the topic of Swedish death cleansing. And I know that might sound a little morbid to some people, especially in our American culture, where, um, when we think about death, we're like, oh, you know, there, we, it brings sadness or, um, we just don't want to think about it. And I know both you and I, have personal experiences with Swedish death cleansing. So can you tell our listeners what exactly is Swedish death cleansing? Sure. So there is a short and very 
interesting book um, that was kind of made famous in this topic, The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. And it's really kind of removing unnecessary items uh, before you pass so that it's not a burden to your family members that would have to make decisions about those things. And the woman that wrote this book, it's really funny because she says in the book, I don't know how old she actually is, but she says she's between 80 and 100 years old, (laughs) which I think is kind of funny. But she was having to do that for various family members and just really saw the benefit for herself to be able to not only declutter with that in mind, but then be able to really not have any doubts in the minds of her family members, Mm -hmm. kind of what her wishes were for her things and just kind of really alleviating that burden because we don't think as um, women, as moms that you know, we are going to pass anytime soon, hopefully, but it can happen. And then what, what is your family supposed to do with all of your stuff and making those decisions? So that's really what death, uh, Swedish, Swedish death cleaning is and what it's all about. Yeah. So why did you decide to do a Swedish death cleansing in your thirties? Because we think, oh, we're in our thirties, we're young, we're healthy, why? I mean, I did mine probably at the beginning of my thirties as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole story for me, why I did mine, but why did you decide to do it in your thirties? Yeah. So just now for point of reference, I'm 42. So it was kind of like my late thirties, but it was really reading the book. And I was very intrigued by this idea of, okay, I've decluttered a lot of the excess, but what about the things that are important to me? How would my kids know that this is something that had a story attached to it? Or how would my husband know that I would want my clothing donated to a specific organization? Or how would my husband or kids know that the one of the sentimental things I have, which is this novel that I wrote in fourth grade that's still on like regular notebook paper, that that's something that is only important to me. And when I pass, you can go ahead and get rid of that. You don't have to worry about that. And I just thought, wow, what a gift, what a gift to be able to give to my family that if anything were to happen to me, they wouldn't have to be concerned about all of these things. So that really is what motivated me to get started doing this because I, I write poetry as a side hustle, I write a lot of memorial poems for people. And I think about, you know, our obituaries and our eulogies and what is going to be said about us when we pass. And I don't want that burden on my loved ones. So I think, even though a lot of people think it's morbid, I think more frequently about mortality Mm -hmm. because I'm writing these poems for people. So I think that's why it was like a natural progression for me. Yeah. Wow. And you are right. It, when our loved ones pass, just that burden that, you know, making these decisions, when I was 29 years old, I was pregnant with my third child and my parents both passed away within six months of each other and they were not prepared. And I actually had, my mother was in a nursing home at that time. My father passed away in his house, more of like a recluse, kind of like a hermit type of personality that was going on. And, um, I, we had to go in and it was a mess and we didn't know where important documents were. And so instead of being able to grieve during that time, I had to go into like the mode of like taking care of things and making decisions. And it was very, very difficult. And not only as a normal like person, but 
I was pregnant at that time. And so then I had my son and then my mom passed away six months later. So postpartum, it was, you just never know when, when you're going to go and you don't know what state the person that you're leaving all of your stuff, what, what, what their lifestyle is going to be at that time. I mean, I don't want my daughter to be pregnant and having to, you know, deal with all of the extra and not having a clear direction or guidance on how to deal with these things. And so that led me to do the Swedish death cleansing and, but Mm -hmm. then also live a life of minimalism and uh, simplicity so that it doesn't all come back. (laughs) Um, Okay. So now getting into the nitty gritty, we've like really perked the attention of people and they're like, yeah, I want things, I want my life to be simple now, but I also, I'm going to let the idea of, of, you know, taking care of my family later on to motivate me to take those steps so that I can live a life of simplicity right now while I'm still living. So let's get into the nitty gritty. What are the steps that you followed and that people should, should follow to, or that they can follow to do a Swedish death cleaning? Sure. So there are a couple that are recommended in the book. And then there are some that I did that I feel like are in line with that, but maybe a little above and beyond. So the first thing is decluttering with that purpose. Now, as you know, also when we're trying to find that motivation to declutter, it can come from a variety of things. I like to talk about the connection between clutter and health. Someone might be able to find the connection between clutter and their faith and having your family, which I have never met anyone that didn't say their family was important. If that is able to help motivate you, then that is something that can really be that why, the deepest why that you're coming back to. So you want your family members to know what you want done with the things that you're keeping and also do the best that you can to be consistently decluttering the things that you don't need so that they don't have to deal with them. I actually created like a Google sheet for my husband, which was about, you know, the things that I am planning to keep where I would want them donated, specific organizations. Maybe it would be a woman's shelter or some other charity. So he would know this is where you always hear about this concept. I wonder what she would have wanted. Well, we don't, we want to take that question mark out of the minds of our our family members. And so then as your kids are getting older, if there's a family heirloom, maybe talking to them about if that's something that they would want down the line, you can have those conversations when they're living you know, and kind of gauge their interest because there might be something really that you love and your kids want nothing to do with it. (laughs) I know I kind of have that with my parents. They're like, don't you want this? I'm like, no. So it's something that you can have the conversation now. So that would probably be my, my first step in the process. Yeah. Well, I like what you said, um, when you, you mentioned the Google sheet and writing out your wishes and taking away the question, I wonder what she would have wanted even if the question isn't there, and this is not a matter of control, like we're not like dying and we want to make sure that everything is just to our liking, even after death. But I think of it like you are releasing the person when they are sitting with the grief of losing you and it's giving them direction when they are like, they're not in a clear state of, of, you know, their mentality and they're not able to think straight. If having all of this written down 
it's like, okay, you're basically mapping out what's the next step. Okay, go ahead. It's okay. You're giving them permission. Take my clothes, drive down to this charity that I love so much and go ahead and release it and bless it and like, let it go. How amazing would that feel to have that direction? Because a lot of people feel lost after they lose somebody. And just knowing that they have a little piece of you and some of your voice after you're gone, still guiding them and still directing them and still like communicating with them. Oh my gosh. I just think of how amazing would that be? So I am writing down those notes. I I, I recently did my will, but I think this, this guide would be so beneficial and maybe you can even turn that into a free uh, printout or something like um, examples of, you know, uh, where would you like for your clothes to be donated yeah. or your books or what to do with um, family heirlooms that you have held on to, but now they're left to your husband. What do you want him to do with them? So that might be something that you might want to put together. Okay. So what's the next step? Yeah. The other thing that is mentioned in the book is this having a shoebox or I have an accordion folder and you put a sticky note on there that says throw away when I die. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, like morbid, right? But still. Yeah. So I have some things that are important to me that I'm holding on to intentionally, but I don't want my family members to feel like they have to hold on to it. So it's really releasing that from them that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they don't need to keep it. So um, that's just another thing from the book that I really was like, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. So that would be kind of the second thing. Yeah. I, I, that is such a great idea because some things that mean something to us. And I know you mentioned this when you were talking about your mom, something means something thing to us right now in this life, but we know that when we're gone, that it's not going to mean anything to anybody else. So clearly labeling that throw away when I die, it makes a lot of sense. I even, I, <laughs> My husband, he has these college books um, up in, like we have our closet. We live in an old farmhouse. We have a a closet, but then we have a closet on top of the closet. Like, I don't know if you can imagine like this little storage area and all of his like college books are up there, but he refuses to get, get rid of them. (laughs) And so I have told my daughter, I said, if anything happens to me and your dad, throw, throw those away. I love that. And I, I love that. and my kids know, I think also like talking and like normalizing, yep. you know, this process of life and death with your kids and just letting them know that, okay. And, and I actually went to my mother-in-law after I went through this process with my parents and they didn't have things organized. I went to my mother-in-law and I say, Hey, let's just have a real conversation. Let's get you organized. And she has taken the time and she has this you know, a file box with, and I've even done this too. And I, I tell a lot of people on my podcast and my clients, um, have this family emergency folder or box so that when somebody goes, and you're probably going to talk about this in a minute, (laughs) um, when some, if something were to happen to you, all of the important documents and the claims are all right there that your people don't have to wonder or to hunt or to go through your personal things to find what's most important for planning your funeral or claiming life insurance policies. Okay. Next step. Yes. Okay. And that is very similar to what I was going to say, as far as you were mentioning a will, you know, having that updated will and medical directive. Um, The other thing that people might not think about is passwords, um, especially with your husband 
And we use, uh, there's a ton of apps, but we have something called 1Password and we have what's called a shared vault. So we are able to share those passwords. So my husband right now, he is responsible for finances and banking and all the things, bills within our family. If he were to pass suddenly, I need to be able to access all of those accounts. So that is just something very, very practical. And then um, we also have, like you said, some of the financial paperwork. There's actually something through FEMA that is, um, I think the acronym is EFAK, E-F-F-A-K, and it's emergency financial something. I'm sorry, I forgot to prep that part. But it's like your bank statements and insurance and everything. And we update that on a regular basis so that we have all of those financial documents and everything together for that emergency purpose. So that's just some um, practical considerations you can make too. I think a really good audit um, or, or like telltale sign uh, if it's confusing to you while you're living, it's going to be confusing to your people when you're gone. <laughs> so that is a huge motivation to simplify your life, get things in order for yourself, make it super simple, um, cancel all these extra things, all these extra subscriptions and get things really simplified and streamlined so that you can live, you know, eat, have your life is easy, but then also it's going to be easy for your people later, people later on. So that's a good indication. If it's confusing for you now, it's going to be confusing for your people, people later on. Mm -hmm. All right. What else? Okay. I have two more. The one is photos, which again, very practical, but kind of similar to what we were talking about, like family heirlooms and wanting to make sure your loved ones understand the, the story around it. In as much as you can scan your physical photos uh, now, that's really helpful because I've heard from so many people who've had relatives that have passed. There's these physical photos. They don't know who the people are. They don't know any of the stories around them. They're like, was this important to my aunt? I don't know. And so if we're able to scan them to something cloud-based um, and just be able to have an album and maybe even talk to our kids about like who these people are, you know, in their family. That's something that's very practical, that it's a huge alleviation of burden for family members. I've heard that for a ton of people, photos is like a huge thing. Yeah. And myself included, just having those physical photos still. Um, I know that's being phased out as generations continue, but uh, that's, that's a biggie, I think. I think people and and, and this goes for anything that's tangible. It's so hard for people to throw things away, but photos especially, it is so hard. And I have seen people that get blow, blown up portraits, you know, family portraits, and they hang on, they, they, they were, instead of like taking the picture out because they already have the digital copy or they already have a smaller copy, they, instead of taking the photo out, out and throwing it away or even storing it, they will take the the picture frame with the picture in it off the wall and they will stack pictures on top of pictures in their closets and they will just have picture frames with huge blown up family photos and I'm like okay and it's really hard I'm like working with people through this and it's really hard for them to let it go and so I help them by even just taking a picture with their phone um but yeah, it's <laughs> photos is a real are a really difficult thing. And I remember when my husband, my my brothers and I were 
or going through my parents, that is something that we all sat around. We had all of these family albums, you know, the ones that have the, the clear strip, the clear page. I don't, I don't think we use those anymore because they found that they're not good with preserving pictures, Mm -hmm. but my family, that's how my mom organized photos. And so we sat around with all those albums and we literally took our time pulling out the pictures that meant something to us. And we let go because our life was good already with the stuff that we already had in it. This was just a little enhancement. And so we knew that we didn't want a lot. (laughs) And so we sat around and we pulled out the pictures that meant something to us and everything else we let go. So I I love that you brought up photos. Um, Okay. Last one that you said. Last one. Last one. And again, I'm a poet. So this is very like front of mind for me, but um, an intentional living exercise too, is to write out your own obituary or eulogy because from an intentional living standpoint, then it's like, what's the life that I want to live? What do I want to be said about me? But from a very practical standpoint, being able to have some of that prepared um, in the event that you pass unexpectedly. In addition, deciding whether you want to be buried or cremated. I'm being turned into a tree in case you're interested. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Yeah. And your funeral wishes. What readings do you want? What songs do you want? What flowers do you want? I actually created a Google doc where I kind of spell out, at least right now, I can periodically review it. But as of right now, I know the flowers I want. I want to know the readings. I know the songs. I know all of those things. So my husband doesn't have to figure out what I would have wanted at my service. So again, we don't really like to think about these things, but from the standpoint of someone grieving and having to figure that out, it's just really a gift to our family to be able to think about some of these things in advance. This is so timely because just a couple of weeks ago, well, I did our will and it was an online service. It was wonderful and easy to do. And thankfully we have it, but it got me a lot thinking along the lines of funeral arrangements. And so I went about five miles up the road. I didn't go, but I know that there's a funeral home that's pretty popular. It's right down the road from where I live. And I looked on their website and they had a pre-arrangement form that -hmm. I could fill out. And I filled it out right then. And they, you know, and then I also asked for information about uh, services and because I wanted to go ahead and think, okay, can I go ahead? I know I'm only 39, but it's okay to think about these things and plan for them because I want to take care of my family now. And also when I'm gone, I want to leave an, like yeah. this, a legacy of providing. And, and so they reached out to me and they sent me the the list of services and how much they are. And I actually want to be cremated. And this is actually a conversation that my husband and I do not agree on. <laughs> and he, yeah, I'm not even going to go there right now, but I want to be cremated. And I put that on there. I put, I went ahead and put all of my I don't want there to be any struggle. I mean, there are, there is still going to be struggle, but at least in the decision-making there doesn't have, there doesn't have to be. So I think it's really like, if you feel comfortable doing this, not only cleaning out your space and getting your affairs in order, but reach out to your local funeral home and ask them for a pre-arrangement form for you to fill out. They'll ask you about music. I, I put like three different, I, I put on there who I want to do my, my service, what readings that I want, my um, the songs that I want to have and anything that I want to make sure that I set at my funeral. And so it's not a matter of control. 
I, I want to stress that pe- to people because there's in our world of people saying that, oh, you're too controlling or like, oh, you're OCD or whatever. I think this is just a matter of preparation, a matter yeah. of bringing peace. And we want to bring peace to our life now, but also to our loved ones after we're gone. So I love all of this. So, okay. How can Swedish death cleansing help us to be motivated to declutter and simplify our homes now? Obviously we've talked a lot about this, but how do you feel like it can motivate people? Yeah. I was going to say, if you're not motivated now, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I don't really know how to help you, but um, I think that just always remembering that alleviation of burden, like you said. I mean, I um, in the podcasting space that you and I connected in, there's a fellow podcaster who recently uh, died suddenly, um, Ellie Conklin. I'll just name her. And she uh, left behind two beautiful baby girls. It was a completely unexpected medical emergency. And that's the kind of thing where you learn of that and you wake up and you're like, what am I doing with my time? What if that was my husband? What if that was my kids? And for me, it really kind of allows me to be even more, you know, motivated and kind of redouble that commitment to, to move forward with this and have that countercultural perspective of I, this is not morbid. This is just like you said, preparation and it's helping myself and my family. And those everyday moments when you're like, okay, I really want to declutter, but I have no energy and I'm so tired. Just thinking about kind of more of that long-term eternal aspect, at least for me, it really helps me when the day-to-day is kind of my focus and I have those blinders on and it's hard for me to kind of see the forest, so to speak. So that has really been helpful to me. And I think it could help anyone starting out on this journey. Yeah, I think, and I know you were talking about wanting to go into people's homes and organize with them in person. And I think this helps um, people that are struggling with the idea of letting things go and it'll give them that reason to let go. Um, Sometimes they're looking for that reason and they make a lot of of excuses, but this could be one of their, their reasons. Okay. This means some, it meant something to me now, back then it doesn't mean as much to me now. I'm just hanging on to it and hoarding it. I also think that this message is for people that are wanting to change and are wanting and not necessarily like digging their feet in the sand and saying, well, I love my life the way it is. I'm not going to change. I have, you know, spoken with people like that. And I'm like this, then that's not for you. This is for people that desire to be prepared, that desire to love their loved ones now, and then also love their loved ones afterwards by being prepared. And I just love this message. And I love what you said about being countercultural mm-hmm. because we have created this taboo idea around death mm-hmm. and in other cultures it is celebrated it is just a path you know passing from this life to the next and it is not something to be feared or um, our life is but a vapor. I mean, we are here for a second, then we're gone. And thinking that we are, you know, immortal is, is futile to think that because death is always, it's always going to happen no matter what. And so just being comfortable with it and, um, not necessarily being afraid of it and not 
when you start doing this Swedish death cleanse, you don't even have to call it this. If your family is like, what are you dying? Yeah. Or do you have cancer? And I know a lot of people are going to get that when they tell their family, I'm doing a Swedish death cleanse. You don't even have to tell it that you could just say, I just want to live more simply. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, okay, Emily, this has been such a great conversation. And I know that we could find a lot of other topics to, to speak on together, but I want to wrap this up. Um, where can listeners find you? I know you have a podcast, uh, where can they find you and connect with you? Yeah, sure. And this was a great conversation. You and I are definitely kindred spirits. That is for sure. <laughs> um, the best place to find me is Moms Overcoming Overwhelm, which is my podcast on any of your favorite podcast players. And I would love um, to direct your listeners just to the resources on my website. So that's um, simplebyemmy.com forward slash resources. I have one about mindset shifts to help you let go of clutter and actually one kind of in the vein of what we were talking about, about writing your own eulogy. So I think either of those resources would be helpful if someone is starting their own journey um, for Swedish death cleaning. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I am definitely going to have to go over. I think I got your other one, the the mindset shifts. Uh, that was really good. And uh, I definitely want that one on writing your own eulogy because I I didn't think about that when I was doing all the, the planning yeah. a couple of, of weeks ago. And I just think this is just an amazing topic and thank you so much for being a guest, being willing to talk about this, even when it feels like, Ooh, you know, this is kind of taboo, but thank you for being a voice and thank you for all that you do helping moms overcome overwhelm. Yes, I was there. Sometimes I find myself there again and I have to bring it back. <laughs> so thank you so much, Emily, for being a guest and I wish you all the best. Yes. Thank you so much, Lisa. This was so much fun and I really appreciate it. All right, friends. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Emily on Swedish death cleansing and that it gives you a newfound motivation to simplify and declutter your home. If you have a friend that would benefit from this information as well, please share this episode with her. Also, if you enjoyed this, don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. All right. I will see you right here next time on the Habits and Home Show. 